Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Thank God for anything and you'll worry about nothing. And then what happens is God will give you that peace that surpasses the mind. It's kind of like it goes over your head and right to your heart to keep your heart and mind in Christ at peace. That peace that Jesus said he came to give, not as the world gives. See, the problem with the peace that the world has to offer is that it's predicated on things going well in your life. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ephesians. Worry. How often does this plague your life? It's so easy to give in to those anxious feelings, yet Pastor J.D. assures us today that we can experience the peace of God that goes beyond our comprehension. Learn to constantly have an attitude of thanksgiving to God, and you'll find peace even when your circumstances say you shouldn't. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 with part one of his message, Change Your Mind. Ephesians chapter 4 today, and our text will be verses 17 through 24. The Apostle Paul is writing... And by the Holy Spirit says, verse 17, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, verse 20, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. There's a lot here. So I want to talk with you today about the mind in a teaching I've titled, Change Your Mind, Change Your Life. Maybe you've heard it said that if we change our minds, then God in turn will change our hearts. But not until we first 
change our minds. The reason being is that God never forces on us his way or his will. He's given us sovereignty to make those choices. And as such, the onus is on us to choose, to make that decision to choose him, his way, his will. But we have a problem. (laughs) And that problem is that the battleground starts in the mind. I think of what Jesus said when he answered a lawyer who asked him a question about what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And the response that the Savior gave him was that you must love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. See, the problem is our minds are fallen. When we get our new bodies, which I can't wait, (laughs) when we get our new bodies, our glorified bodies, we're going to have a new mind. Well, in our text today, the Apostle Paul describes what our lives will be like and even look like once we change our minds and then God subsequently, as a result, is allowed to change our hearts. He paints a picture of one no longer living their life like they did before Christ, but instead the new life in Christ and even because of Christ. And Paul, in so doing, emphasizes this need to change the way we think. Again, because the battleground is in the mind. In verses 17 through 19, he explains why we need to change our thinking. And then in verses 20 through 24, he explains how we can practically and realistically do so. Now, it's important to understand, I really need you to hear this, because it's going to be germane to our understanding of what's before us today. Answering the why is the catalyst for motivating the how. I'm going to say that again, and let me preface it this way. This is the way that God has wired us, as it were. The way our brains are wired, the way God made us, is to understand the why behind the what, which in turn motivates the how. In other words, when I understand why it is that I need to change my mind and change my thinking, that will now provide me with the motivation to do it, and even the how in order to do it. I'm hoping you'll kindly, in the time that we have together in Ephesians, permit me to explain this, and as clearly as I can, I always ask God to give me simplicity of speech, humility of heart, and clarity in thought. Uh, Not necessarily in that order. So 
Lord, please help me on this because this is so very important. First, let's talk about the why. In verses 17 through 19, Paul describes those who are futile in thinking, darkened in understanding, separated in ignorance, and hardened in heart. In so doing, he explains the reason as to why they're that way. It's because they've lost all sensitivity and become callous, which results in giving themselves over to impurity. Now they have license to indulge in every kind of sensuality, impurity, and we're told that they also have become full of greed, all because of their futile thinking, the way that they think. (laughs) When I was uh, in my 20s, as a young Christian, my boss said to me one day that I had stinking thinking and I needed a checkup from the neck up. (laughs) It's not a good day when your boss tells you that. This is your employer. (laughs) He said, I don't know where he got it. I I guess it's a, a saying, it's a thing, but stinking thinking and you need a checkup from the neck up. I never forgot that clever quip. And over the years, I've learned that the truth of it cannot be overstated in the sense that we become and behave as we think. I'll take it a step further and say that we also believe. We become and behave and believe as we think. This is what Proverbs 23, the first part of verse 7 says. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Can I say it this way? You and I are what we think. We become what we think. We behave according to what we think. And we even believe according to what we think. And this is why, by the way, the Apostle Paul in writing to the Philippians in chapter 4, verse 8, lists those things that we are to think about. Listen to this list. He says, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Interesting to note that it's in the context of worry and fear. In verses 6 and 7, prior to verse 8, he says, worry about nothing. This is a loose paraphrase. Worry about nothing. And you can worry about nothing by thanking God for anything and praying about everything. It's what I call the three-in-one deal. (laughs) I hope that doesn't mar it. I don't mean to be irreverent about it, but it's three for one. 
We do those three things, and he'll do this one thing. What is that one thing? He'll give us the peace that surpasses human understanding, that'll keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, (laughs) the implication is we all have this proclivity, this potential in our minds to manufacture and fabricate these horrific scenarios of what if, or what about, or I hope that. And you can fill in the blanks. Listen, I I have a degree. I have letters after my name on this. I am a professional. I'm really good at worrying. In fact, I like to refer to myself as a recovering worryaholic. Because I, in my early years as a young Christian, I had Philippians 4, 6, and 7 completely backwards. I worried about everything. I didn't thank God for anything. And I didn't pray about anything either. And no wonder my heart and my mind were in absolute turmoil and chaos. Fear had paralyzed me and we're in. By the way, Satan is very cooperative when it comes to this. He's right there popping the popcorn, uh, playing the DVD that's antiquated, the Blu-ray. Actually, everything's live streaming now, so whatever. <laughs> and he's showing us the potential of what could happen. And he takes us as far down that road as we're willing to go with him. And what Paul is saying is, no, you need to think. And by the way, the word think comes from the word think. And if you think about it, you'll realize how much you have to be thankful for. That's why Paul says, thank God for anything. Pray about everything. Thank God for anything. And you'll worry about nothing. And then what happens is God will give you that peace that surpasses the mind. It's kind of like it goes over your head and right to your heart to keep your heart and mind in Christ at peace. That peace that Jesus said he came to give, not as the world gives. See, the problem with the peace that the world has to offer is that it's predicated on things going well in your life. Now, I don't know how that works out for you. I can tell you that it does not work very well for me. Because if the only time I can have peace and joy is when things are going well in my life, then I'm only going to have peace and joy for about four minutes a day, maybe a week. It depends on the week, right? See, this is a peace that is not predicated upon what's happening in my life. I can be at perfect peace. But again, it requires, it's a prerequisite. The prerequisite to that peace is what I think about and the changing of my thinking. I hope that with this understanding we're better able to answer why it is that we need to change our way of thinking. Simply put, We need to change our thinking because of the propensity for our hearts to become callous and our conscience to become seared 
as with a hot iron. Let me see if I can explain it this way and illustrate it this way. You know how it is when over a prolonged period of time you have friction, you're going to develop a callus, right? And in so doing, you you lose the sensitivity because it becomes hard. Well, so too is this true with our brains and what they're now discovering in the field of neuroscience. It's fascinating. Man, I watched a, a documentary about what they called these gene doctors. These doctors are on the cutting edge of, get this, they uh, use a virus, they change the payload of that virus, and they put in that virus a corrected DNA to correct something that's wrong in your DNA that causes things like blindness. And they inject it in the eyes, and then it goes into the cells, and it corrects that incorrect number in your DNA. (laughs) Are you kidding me? The advances in medicine today and what they're discovering about the brain and the neuroplasticity, which means that the brain is always changing. And there's even documented cases of people who suffered severe trauma to the brain and their brains in that neuroplasticity adapted and acclimated to what happened and so they they lose an arm and then the brain adapts and adjusts and corrects you know it brings to my mind no pun intended is how fearfully and wonderfully made we are that's the power of our minds but see it goes both ways if we for a prolonged period of time think on things that are not of a good report then it develops this path in the brain that makes it easier for the brain to default in that direction and it leads to corruption the brain becomes corrupted And in order to have new pathways, you have to have a new way of thinking. And then the old pathways kind of grow back in and fill back up. Meanwhile, the new pathways are forged within the brain. I don't want to get too, believe me, I I understand very little in my uh, way of thinking, but I know it's true because... When I think on things that are of a good report, I notice my whole mood changes. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, even 15 minutes of thinking about things and worrying about things, it affects my whole body. You know, the, the proverb says that an anxious heart weighs a man down. A, a, a fatigue, physiological fatigue sets in. It really taxes a heavy toll on the entire body because the brain, it sends this message to the rest of the body. And it's that fight or flight when you're under stress and for a prolonged period of time. And what Paul is saying here is 
This is why you need to change your thinking because left unchecked, continuing in that way, you will develop this pathway and it will become, dare I say this word, pathological. Pathological. Because now your conscience is seared and your heart is hardened. Let me uh, use the, uh, this illustration. You know when um, you sin and there's the conviction, not condemnation, of the Holy Spirit. And I mean, it's, it's intense. And there's a godly sorrow that leads to a genuine repentance that Paul talks about to the Corinthians. And you're just mortified that you actually did something like that. And then some time goes by and you do it again. Only this time, it's not as intense. The conviction, not as strong. And you continue doing it over and over and over again. You become insensitive to the Holy Spirit that once you were sensitive to and the conviction of the Holy Spirit when you were. That's what Paul's talking about. It can happen in the heart and it can happen in the mind as well. Now, in verses 20 through 24, Paul turns a corner going from the why to the how. That's why. Because it can lead to this corruption, this callous corruption, if I can say it that way. That's the why. Now, how do I change my thinking? And Paul says it's by our putting off the old self and putting on the new in Christ. Interesting to note what he says in verse 23 about being made new in the attitude of our minds. The attitude of our minds. Let me use a computer illustration those of you who are geeks amongst us will really appreciate this. Those of you who aren't, I'll try to come up with something else. Just bear with me. <laughs> but here's what it's like. It's like downloading a new file to overwrite the old corrupted file on the hard drive of your mind. Right? Because that file's gotten corrupted. And left unchecked, it will wreak havoc. And it will crash that hard drive. And so too is this true with our minds. So we need to download, if you will, the new file to overwrite the old file. After we accept Jesus into our lives, we start a journey of faith with him. We don't always grow in our faith, though. Pastor J.D.'s messages in the book of Ephesians encourage us to continually seek to grow deeper and deeper in our relationship with our Savior. We can't get comfortable and complacent in our walks. By spending time with other believers, diving into the Word, and spending time in communication with Jesus, we'll continue to grow closer to Him. We're so glad you tuned in to Pastor J.D. Farag's teaching today. We'd like to tell you how you can access additional messages. Simply visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on Listen to search through our archive of Pastor J.D.'s teachings. Take these messages with you on the go with our mobile app. 
This app is free and provides you with hours of insight into the Bible, helpful links, and even the latest editions of Pastor J.D.'s Mid-East Prophecy Update. In these updates, Pastor J.D. looks into the news and events happening around the globe and compares them to the prophecies of the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. These messages are new each weekend and will help you put world events into perspective. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are also available to watch on our YouTube channel, which you can access through InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Join us on Facebook as well and keep up to date on everything that's happening at In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for joining us today. Pastor J.D. will continue studying through the book of Ephesians next time on In Spirit and Truth.